I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas, and we are here to continue our studies in the book of Titus, from God through Paul to Titus for us. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. Titus chapter 2, 11 through 15. Titus was doing his preaching work on the island of Crete, where the ethics of the culture generally corrupt. Challenging work for a gospel preacher, Paul wrote this epistle to Titus to supply help Titus needed. There is much attention in this letter to sound doctrine and to getting elders appointed so that threats against Christians might be answered and that Christians might be in better position to grow spiritually. Titus 2, 11 through 15. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority let no one disregard you. What a powerful statement from God through Paul to Titus and for our enrichment today. Several weighty matters are brought up in these verses that help us to be zealous for good works, beginning with a subject of truth that must always be at the center of our faith. Let's talk about the grace of God. I want to spend a few minutes with that important subject, the grace of God, without which we could not be taken out of sin and could not go to heaven. One way to understand the grace of God is to think in terms of a giver-receiver relationship. Grace, as taught in the Bible, is not like an employer-employee relationship where you do work that earns pay. You deserve the pay. Grace, as taught in the Bible, is not like a buyer-seller transaction where you pay a sum of money for a product and you now own that product. You paid the price. Grace is to be understood as a giver-receiver relationship. God, based on the person and work of Jesus Christ, offers to give us something that we couldn't get any other way. Salvation from sin. The opportunity to glorify God in your life 
and be taken to heaven. We could never do sufficient work to merit that. We do not have sufficient resources to purchase that. But God says, I will give it to you based on the person and work of Jesus Christ, God offers to give us something that we need now and eternally that we could not get any other way. This is so important. Salvation from sin, the opportunity to glorify God here on earth and be taken to heaven, that is a gift of God's grace that we receive when we respond to the gospel. When I hear the gospel, believe in Christ, repent of my sin, and then I confess my faith, and I obey the Lord in baptism, I'm not earning or purchasing. I'm receiving what God offers based on the death of Christ. Then, as I live according to sound doctrine, I'm able to keep what I received and glorify the God of all grace. Please, if this is unclear, get in touch with me. It is critical that we understand this. God, based on the person and work of Jesus Christ, offers to give us something that we couldn't get any other way salvation from sin, the opportunity to glorify him here on earth and be taken to heaven. That's grace. We are saved by grace when we activate our faith in Christ and live under his authority. So with that in mind, look now at this phrase, the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men. When Jesus came in his person and work, it was God's grace appearing and bringing to all the offer of salvation. Anybody who wants to get out of sin, live right, and go to heaven can because the grace of God has appeared. Notice the language of this shows that grace culminated or found full expression in a particular event, the coming of Christ into the world and his giving of himself to redeem us. But the next part of this is important. Verse 12, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Paul tells us two functions of the grace of God. One is salvation. The other is training for good living here. I tell you, we need both. We have sinned, so we certainly need salvation. Once we get out of sin, we need to stay out of sin, and that means we need training in righteousness. And God, by his grace, provides both. Remember now, we don't earn it or buy it. We receive it as a gift by the activity of our faith. God says, based on the person and work of Jesus Christ, 
I'm willing to give you this gift. If you want to be saved and trained to live right, I'm giving you this gift. Now, when we respond to the gospel, we're receiving that gift. You with me? That is so important. And as we read and listen to God's word with good hearts, we can be trained in what is right. No wonder it is called amazing grace. God says, based on the person and work of Christ, <coughs> excuse me, God says, based on the person and work of Christ, he's willing to forgive us of sin and train us in not being sinners, but being righteous people. What is required of us to receive that faith in Christ that is productive of active obedience and consistent discipleship. The specifics of this are as follows. Renouncing ungodliness. You know what that is? That's saying no to sin. Renouncing worldly passions. That's telling the world you will not follow its lead. Instead, you put yourself under God's word of grace. You will be self-controlled, upright, godly in this present age. Think of God in his infinite generosity and mercy, being willing to not only take us out of sin, but to train us in right living while we're here. We become recipients of this offer from him when we obey the gospel and live as growing, zealous disciples of Christ. It is that simple, and it is that amazing. Now, can I say a little more about one word in verse 12, renounce, or in some translations, deny. Here's the essence of that. Say no. When we first obey the gospel, we say no to sin and the devil and the world. After being baptized, we must continue to say no. And God, by his grace, enables us to renounce what is wrong and be fully engaged in what is right. If we decide to become recipients of grace, here in this present age, being saved and trained, there is this destiny. Verse 13, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there's benefit now when we put our lives under God's grace, but further, there is benefit after this present age. There is hope as we wait for his appearing, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Continue, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who were zealous for good works. Remember, God's message to us in the gospel is that he will redeem us from sin and train us in what is right based on what Christ did. Christ gave himself for us to make all of this possible. 
that we're talking about. And the reason or purpose is stated here. Here's the purpose phrase. To redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who were zealous for good works. There is in verse 14 what we've been talking about stated in terms of redemption and purification. Being saved from sin and having been taken out of sin to be pure people here who belong to Christ and who are zealous for good works. Mark this down. Mark this down. When it is argued that salvation by grace is somehow denied when we engage in good works, here in this passage, those who are saved by grace and taught by grace and trained by grace are zealous for good works. That is, anxious to do what is right, to be obedient people, not as earners or purchasers, but receivers of what God offers based on the person and work of Jesus Christ. Verse 15. From God, through Paul to Titus, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Titus is not to hesitate in teaching any of this, nor apologize for it, nor hold it back. Declare these things. The word exhort means to call to do. The word rebuke is to expose what is wrong and call for repentance. The authority of this is God said it. Let no one disregard you. That's parallel to what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12, let no one despise your youth. When we are speaking God's will and living God's will, we are reducing the opportunity or offering no evidence to the enemy that he can take us down. Titus 2, 11 through 15. And then I'll have a few wrap-ups. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who were zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. I have two or three wrap-ups. About the grace of God, we need to be just as vocal, if not more vocal, than the popular religious spokesman. Salvation by grace is not a subject that belongs to the denominations. We ought to talk about it. And when we talk about it, we ought to make certain we are saying 
just what the Bible says without any human editing. We are saved by grace through faith, and that faith is active. The giver-receiver model, in my judgment, is one of the best illustrations. Remember, you cannot earn or purchase salvation by your merit, by your record of good living. You can repent and be baptized and receive what God offers through the preaching of the gospel. God is the giver. We who respond to the gospel are the receivers. There is no point in being saved from sin if you turn right back into it or resist being trained in righteousness. I like to express the point like this. God has a curriculum for us to learn and then live. By his grace, his perfect generosity, he has given not only Jesus to die for us, taking our punishment, allowing us to come out of sin by the activity of our faith, but he's given us through the Holy Spirit the curriculum to train us in righteousness. And finally, we need to stress God has never taken anyone out of sin who didn't want to come out of sin. Salvation is not forced on the sinner. That's not biblical grace. Salvation is a gift based on the death of Christ offered but must be willingly received by the activity of our faith. Thank you for being with us during this video class.